You're listening to the Restaurant Operator Podcast. Get the latest restaurant industry headlines delivered to your inbox every weekday with Restaurant Operator Daily. With this one newsletter, you'll get the top stories from leading news sites like fastcasual.com, pizzamarketplace.com, and qsrweb.com. Join more than 30,000 subscribers who rely on Restaurant Operator Daily to keep them informed on the most important industry news and trends. Subscribe today at restaurantoperatordaily.com. Welcome to the Restaurant Operator Podcast. I'm Mandy Detweiler, Managing Editor for NetWorld Media Group and parent company to foodtruckoperator.com. Today, we're talking to Nicole Burks, who owns Big Nita's Cheesecakes in Louisville, Kentucky. It just so happens that we're also located in Louisville, and I've had the pleasure of tasting Big Nita's Cheesecakes on several occasions, and it is fabulous. Nicole, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I adore your cheesecakes. It's hard to describe them on a podcast, but they're so thick and velvety and they come in such a wide variety of flavors. You use everything from like Twix candy bars to red velvet cake and banana pudding. You've really got some some crazy flavors on those cheesecakes and it makes them great sellers. Um, so let's talk about Big Nita's The Food Truck. Tell us your your origin story. How did you open The Food Truck and why cheesecake out of all the things you could have sold? Well, we started a few years ago. Uh, we started from our home. Um, we were just kind of at a really crummy time of our lives, and um, I had just gotten sober. I needed something to kind of occupy my mind, and I kept seeing this um, recipe on Facebook for, like, a banana cheesecake bar. It was something along those lines, and I, I just kept seeing it. I get on Facebook. I kept seeing it, and I was like, one weekend, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to maybe try to make that and, like, just, keep, you know, keep busy, and so I was talking to Berto, which is the co-owner of the business now, my fiance, and I was like, hey, like, I really want to make this we should like give it out to our friends and our family and he was like dude like we're really broke we really can't just buy stuff to give out to people and long story short we did but um that's kind of how the business started now we started from our home and just kind of worked our way up the ladder um the food truck truck came about whenever we were looking to expand and um you know, that was just kind of the next step. We knew we wasn't ready for like a storefront or anything that big, but we knew we wanted to be able to get our product product out there, you know, in a wider range. So we kind of started browsing Facebook and we probably looked for, I would say a good six months for something to pop up that was affordable and that we knew we could fix up. And so we found um, a food truck on Facebook and we bought it and we started fixing it up and then we kind of started getting out there with our truck and that's really kind of how the food truck came about. And cheesecakes just happened to be that recipe that I saw on Facebook that one day. And there really isn't a specific reason why cheesecake. It was just like the universe kind of told us to do cheesecakes. And I just kind of, we just kind of ran with it. So how do you come up with the different flavors for the cheesecakes? How many how many do you sell? How many flavors do you sell at a time? And how are you coming up with the ideas? 
We always have, I would say, nine different cheesecake flavors, a cheesecake brownie, and cheesecake cookies available every week. And honestly, we just come up with different flavors through, uh, we talk, all of our staff talk every week about ideas, flavors we think that would kind of go good together. Um, and me and Berto will shop like the ice cream aisle, the candy bar aisle, and we will just honestly like, just kind of come up with stuff and a lot of stuff I would say 90% of stuff we just wing it we just we just wing it and make it and yeah just just honestly Facebook grocery store and talking with our employees what are some of the key lessons or challenges that you faced while running the food truck portion of your business Definitely space. Um, you will need a lot more space than what you think you will need, especially for like a dessert business like we have because everything needs to be refrigerated. And I wish I would have kind of realized that going into buying our truck because I would have tried to purchase maybe a little bit larger truck because, you know, we were very maxed out on space pretty quickly just because you can only fit so much refrigeration on a food truck and you know, everything that we make has to be refrigerated. So I would definitely say, make sure you're buying something that is going to be big enough for you to grow into. And um, yeah, just space. Space is the biggest thing. You're going to need a lot more space than what you think you're going to need for storage, your generator, uh, refrigeration, if you need it, you know, so just really keep that in the mind when you're trying to purchase something like that. So you moved into a brick-and-mortar location. How long did you guys kind of mull over that to decide you were going to open a brick-and-mortar location? Yeah, we so we started our home. We moved into actually into a commissary kitchen that we shared with various other bakers. I would say we was there for a year, a little bit over a year. And while we was there, we ran our food truck. And so I would say we've been in business a few years now. So we probably did the food truck commissary kitchen thing for, I would say, about a year to a year and a half before we realized we were just so maxed out on space. And the only way to continue growth was to get a location of our own. Okay, so how did you choose the location in Nulu, which is for those of you know listeners who don't know, that's New Louisville. We call it Nulu here. Big dining and um, kind of bar scene down there. How did you know that you were ready to open a brick and mortar location? And then what were you looking for in that location? Yeah, there was a couple things we needed. You know, we have never taken any type of loans to grow our business. And when you're looking for like a brick and mortar, there's lots of things that are required per the health department that you have to have. Like you have to have a hood system for your ovens. You have to have a grease trap um, for, um, you know, contamination. And those things are very extremely costly. So we knew going into it, we had to have a location that already acquired those entities. So originally we're from Charlestown. We really wanted our storefront to be in Charlestown, but we couldn't find any real estate in Charlestown that would accommodate our needs. One of my customers, um, which I love her to death, um, she got in contact with me because her son owns real estate, and his name is Andy. It's our landlord now, but long story short, she got us in contact with Andy because he had some buildings that were becoming available, one of them being so um, a previous shop or a restaurant or some sort like that. So we knew going in, it probably had those entities. So once we met Andy, we kind of talked to him a little bit about what we were needing and, 
and honestly, it was just through that through that customer um, that we met our landlord, and we went and toured some uh, real estate of his, and we just happened to come across the little shop that we have, or that was his, but, you know, we moved in, and we loved it. It had everything we needed. It wasn't too big. It wasn't too small. It was in a great upcoming area, and um, we just said it felt like it really our business, even though it's not originally where we wanted to be, like, it's weird. When you do that kind of stuff and you walk into a place, you get just, like, a sense of you know it's meant for you, and this whole business, I've just kind of went with my gut feeling on a lot of things, so I didn't want to ignore that feeling of I felt like this was the correct location for us, even though it's not originally where we wanted to be, so that's kind of how we ended up in a new loop. What kind of like regulatory considerations or permits did you have to get for the store that you didn't need in the food truck? I know navigating some of that can be difficult, that kind of paperwork and permitting. Mm-hmm. Need. Yep. What did, yeah, what did you end up needing um, to, to start the business? Yeah, first of all, anybody going into this food truck or brick and mortar, you have to have permits for basically anything that you're going to do, anything. Same with your food truck. Um, But storefront, you know, with the food truck, you just necessarily have to have permits for the specific counties, cities, and states that you're wanting to sell in. So where your brick and mortar, you have to have permits to, like, operate. You have to have permits. Like, if you want to change anything to your building, like, if you want to, say, add a door, you have to submit a permit, and the city has to approve that, um, that change to that building. So you have to have permits basically, honestly, for your brick and mortar, anything that you want to do. Um, like if you want to sell other stuff other than cheesecake, there has to be types of permits. There, you know, it's basically you can't do anything. People think you can just open a storefront and do whatever you want, and it doesn't work like that. The city has to approve what they're going to allow you to do in that specific location. So don't go into it thinking you can just get a storefront and make and do anything that you want to do because it doesn't work like that. The city has to say, yes, we approve you to do that, but you're also going to pay us to be able to do that. Like we had to pay the city um, to allow us to put a sign out front of our building, and we have to pay a fee every year just to have a big need of sign that hangs over the sidewalk because the city says it's a liability if that sign falls and hits somebody uh, we don't want that person suing us so you have to pay us a fee so nobody can sue us because you want to have a sign out front and they also have to approve that sign you can't just hang up any kind of sign that you want they have to say you have to submit a um, a documentation of what you want your sign to look like and how big it's going to be and they have to approve it and they can submit it back and say nope we want it smaller we want it a different color so you know you have to get the city to approve basically anything that you want to do and you also have to pay fees to be able to do it so be very prepared for that it's very costly and you have to also renew a lot of those fees every year some of them will be a couple year fee but most of them you you will renew like every january wow that's a lot to keep up with and you're operating in two states you're operating in kentucky and then across the river you take the food truck to charlestown indiana right across the river several times, you know, as well. So how does that work in terms of Kentucky versus Indiana? Mm-hmm. So for Charlestown, we were with our truck. So we pay permits and fees to 
the state of Indiana, the city of Charlestown, and the county of Clark. So you have to pay permits and fees for the state, the city, um, and the county. So, like, people think you can just take your food truck and say, oh, I have a food truck. I want to go set up in New Albany. It doesn't work like that. You have to submit a request to set your truck up in New Albany, and then you're going to have to go through an inspection by New Albany Health Department or whomever it is that will do your inspection. Then you're going to pay them fees every year uh, to Floyd County, the state of Indiana, the city of whomever. It is a lot more involved, and that's honestly why we don't set up our truck in a lot more um, different places. Well, right. now we have the storefront, but even prior to that, we just was very – we didn't set up in a lot of – different locations because sometimes if you're going to set up a place one time for an event, it's not worth paying five, $600 in permits and fees to set up there. If you're just doing a one-time event and, you know, you have to go through, like I said, inspection. So you're taking a day off of work to go meet the, the health department to let them inspect your truck. And there's just so much more involved than what people realize. Like basically you're paying fees and permits, like I said, for every city, county, state. So that's what we do in Indiana. And then in Kentucky with the storefront, it's kind of the same thing, except we're doing it for our storefront. So everybody's going to have their hand in the, in your pocket, basically. Let's talk about staffing with the food truck. Um, you couldn't get very many people in the food truck to operate it. Obviously mm-hmm. with brick and mortar, you've got, you know, you had to hire a staff for the first time. How did, how did that work um, in terms of actually having a staff and, and kind of running a brigade in the restaurant? Well, luckily a lot of our staff, I would say half of our staff is family. Um, you know, a lot of our family members work for us. Thank goodness. Cause we couldn't do that. With, do it without them. And then honestly, honestly, we got our other employees from our customers. You know, I had some customers reach out that say, Hey, you know, my daughter's 16. She's looking for a job, ABCD. And that's kind of how we acquired our staff. So we have six employees now and a shop manager and, um, you know, but also before we hired everybody, we, of course, advertised on Facebook and, you know, different social medias that we were looking to hire and things like that. But I would say managing a staff is probably the hardest part of having a brick and mortar. And it's just because, you know, people need time off. We're a very small team. So, you know, when one person's out, you know, me and Berto or, or, or other staff have to pick up the extra slack, which that's a part of the gig. It's no issue, but you be prepared for that because having a staff is probably one of the most challenging things that you will do in this type of journey. And it's just because you're trying to grow your business while also working around others, not just your own needs anymore, but your employees needs and what's working best for the business and, you know, changing people's shifts if you need to. And there's just, it's so much, so much is involved with having that staff, even though we're so blessed that we have our staff, it has probably been one of the most like, physically challenging and mentally uh, challenging things about having a brick and mortar. And it's just because there's so much involved in, there's so much to learn. Right. And you only, you're only open on the weekends, um, you mm-hmm. know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, what was the side, the deciding factor to only open on weekends only? Is it just sheer volume? That's as much as you guys can handle with your team in terms of making the cheesecakes. 
Yes, and people don't realize cheesecakes are such a time-consuming dessert, and we make every, I mean, everything that we make is completely from scratch. Our whipped cream, I mean, pretty much everything. Our crust is handmade. We make everything. So, you know, going into it, like, you know, we knew that there was no way that we could, you know, we had to figure out a system to where we could have the time to prep, you know, 50, 60 cheesecakes a day. Um, you know, you have to spend one day just baking them. Then they have to spend 12 hours in the refrigerator setting up and cooling. And, you know, you can't just make a cheesecake, pull it out of the oven, decorate it, and put it out for sale. It doesn't work like that. It's basically a 24-hour process from start to finish. So going into it... We kind of figured up what was the amount of dollars that we needed to make every week and how could we make that, how many days could we open a week to try to make that. And, you know, we bake all week long to just be open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when we're open, we're finishing up stuff, say, for the next day. Like on Friday mornings, we're still baking cookies that will be sold on Saturday and Sunday. And we'll start prepping for the next week on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So people just don't really understand that we can't open every day because we don't have the space to accommodate inventory to be open open every day because not only do we sell a dessert that has to be refrigerated all the time, but almost every single ingredient that goes into our dessert besides our crust has to be refrigerated as well. So cream cheese, eggs, sour cream, you know, so space, you know, going into it again, I wish I would have realized that we needed probably more space than I thought because when you're storing all your ingredients and your product, you just don't have the space to turn around you know, um, as quickly as I would have liked to. So that's how the, we'll open on the weekends. That gives us all week to prep. And, you know, we're still making thousands of desserts for the weekend, but it's, that's just the reality. And there's truly no way around that, you know, unless we're going to move brick and mortars and open a bigger location. It, and we just have, we've had to learn to accept our reality. Tell me about your marketing. Uh, you don't have probably have to do much. A lot of it is word of mouth. I know you're really big on social media and you guys do a great job with your social media. Yeah, I mean, I would say word of mouth is probably our biggest asset for our business. But other than that, it would be Facebook. We get it. We have a huge following on Facebook. We've done really well on Facebook. Um, I wish going into this, I would have advertised and marketed more on different platforms. You know, I am on Instagram, but I'm just not as successful on Instagram because in the beginning, I didn't really push a lot of content on Instagram. It was mainly Facebook. But going into it, I had... I wished if I could have done it differently, I would have marketed quite a bit more on like TikTok, which is hugely popular right now. You know, Instagram, like really get your business out there on all of the social media platforms because, you know, if something happens like for us, if something was to happen to Facebook, you know, knock on wood, it would, it would hurt our business because we have such a huge following. And because I put so much effort into that Facebook uh, marketing, I wish I would have done that in the beginning with multiple different social medias, but yes, word of mouth is probably our biggest uh, benefit, but you know, so is um, social media. We get just as much business from there than we do from referrals and things like that. If you had a piece of advice to give to a food truck operator who's thinking about opening a brick and mortar store, what would you tell them? What's step number one? I would say be prepared to invest more of your life um, 
into your business than what you're investing just doing your food truck. Because I think for our our mentality was going into this brick and mortar was we're going to have more space. We're going to be able to take more days off. We're going to be able to you know, do all these different things. And we, at the time we were, we were working every day and we, we just, we wanted growth so we could kind of take a day off and, you know, have some rest and, you know, we're a year in and we still don't take a day off. And it's because, you know, when you have employees and you have a small team, if somebody's out, you know, you have to cover that. And, and we, and because we still just have such a small team, you know, me and Berto are a huge part of our team and we just, can't take a day off and it, we just can't seem to figure out how to get our business to the point of taking a day off. So I would say if you're wanting to move from a food truck to a brick and mortar, don't go into it with the mentality of things are going to be easier because I'm not saying like it wasn't worth us making that change, but our, our mentality going in is completely different than what our reality is. And that's not a bad thing because, you know, we're investing, we're growing. That's a part of this 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 uh this business but you know we thought oh well if we have a brick and mortar we can make more money and then we can hire more staff and we can take time off and we can live more of normal seas more a nor- more normal life when in all reality you know we're still working seven days a week and 12 to 15 hours a day and yes we do actually work a little bit less with our storefront than we did with our food truck because when we were doing our food truck we would work like 24 hour shifts sometimes but we're still we're still not to the point where we're living normal lives and that was the kind of goal going into getting this storefront and you know we're a year in we're still we're already maxed out on space so we're really fighting hard to figure out how to have a business and live normal lives and so yeah if you're wanting to make that change be prepared to invest more of your time um sacrifice um yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing is mentally prepare yourself for, you know, definitely more more work than than maybe what you were doing on your your future, if that makes sense in a way, if, if you see what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, because like I said, going in, we thought maybe if we got a brick and mortar, we would have, like I said, more staff and could take time off and it would, you know, that's kind of where our business would be at. But we're still working every day and, you know, all that kind of stuff, so... Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for being with us. I think this is some great content, and I think our listeners are really going to be interested in hearing your story. Well, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate you guys. That'll do it for this episode. We'll catch you next time. Get the latest restaurant industry headlines delivered to your inbox every weekday with Restaurant Operator Daily. With this one newsletter, you'll get the top stories from leading news sites like fastcasual.com, pizzamarketplace.com, and qsrweb.com. Join more than 30,000 subscribers who rely on Restaurant Operator Daily to keep them informed on the most important industry news and trends. Subscribe today at restaurantoperatordaily.com.